0: I strongly believe that you can be successful without sacrificing your health or your sanity in the process. You ready? Let's design the optimized version of you. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Optimize Yourself podcast. Whether you're brand new to the show or you're a seasoned vet, it would mean the world to me if you took just one minute to share this episode with a friend or a colleague who could benefit from what you learned today. And don't forget to also click the subscribe button in your podcast app of choice, because the more subscribers we have, the more that iTunes and the other platforms recognize this show, and thus the more people that you and I can inspire to step outside their comfort zones to reach their greatest potential. And now on to today's episode which is a special episode where I provide my articles in audio form so you have the opportunity to walk and listen instead of sit and read if that's your preference. My hope is that you're going to use this opportunity to get up and step away from your chair for the next 20 minutes or so and build the habit of moving more throughout your workday. The following is a reading of my article titled The Five Things You Must Do When Writing Cold Emails If You Want a Response, which can be found at optimizeyourself.me slash tips This article is the third of three parts in my series about writing great outreach emails. If you would like to download all three parts, as well as a bonus checklist to help you craft your next cold email, you can download my brand new Insider's Guide to Writing Great Outreach Emails for free at optimizeyourself.me slash email guide. This episode is made possible for you by, you guessed it, ErgoDriven, the creators of the TopoMat, my number one recommended product if you are interested in moving more and not having sore feet at your height adjustable or standing workstation. Almost every new person that I meet in this industry starts our conversation with, hey, I got a Topo Mat because of you. It changed my life. Thank you. If you are not standing on one today, I cannot recommend it enough. It's super comfortable. It's an awesome conversation starter. And by the way, it's also scientifically proven to help you move more throughout your workday. To learn more and get your Topo mat, visit optimizeyourself.me Topo. That's T-O-P-O. At this point, I'll assume from part one that you understand why writing cold emails is the most important soft skill that you must master, especially if you're an introvert. And I'm also going to assume that if you read part two, you are no longer making the five most common mistakes when people write cold outreach emails. Now that you're ready to focus all of your energy on writing an amazing cold outreach email that could potentially get you a lunch meeting, a shadowing opportunity, mentorship, a job interview, or even your next gig, do you actually know how to get a response to your cold email? More importantly, does your message have a purpose? Or are you desperately crossing your fingers, hoping that if you send enough messages, well, somebody will eventually respond and they'll discover you just cause? To reiterate what I said in part two of this series, the objective of your first cold email is to get a response and start the conversation. That's it. But if you want a response, you're going to have to earn it. The front door technique. There are few moments more despised than the knock from a door-to-door salesman. But guess what? If you're sending somebody an unsolicited cold email, that's exactly what you are to their inbox. And it's most likely why you feel so awkward reaching out to strangers because you're selling them something that they didn't ask for, i.e. you. You don't have an appointment, this person has no idea who you are, and you might be catching them at the worst possible time. Needless to say, getting their attention and making the sale, or in this case, getting a response, isn't going to be easy. Here's how you can apply the front door technique to your next cold email to drastically increase your email response rate. Step number one is to make sure that your subject line provides value. You've just knocked on the door and you're waiting for your prospect to answer. If you make your sales pitch immediately right through the peephole, the chances are extremely high you're gonna get the dreaded response No thank you, not interested. But your goal isn't to make the sale yet. Your goal is to get them to open the front door and just say hello. I don't care how amazing your message is, how compelling your story might be, or how ridiculously talented you are. If the person never opens your message, you have lost the battle before it's even begun. Before you spend hours writing the perfect email, make sure that you have written a compelling subject line that will grab this person's attention and convince them to open your message. Your cold email has some stiff competition in this person's inbox. As you did in part two of this series, crawl into the brain of your recipient and picture what it would look like in your inbox if somebody sent you an unsolicited message right now. Would their message stand out? Or would it get swallowed up by the 175 other unread messages, work emails, newsletters, and spam that currently reside in your inbox? Exactly. If you want to earn your way into someone else's inbox and get them to open your message, the last thing you want to do is ask for a busy person's valuable time or their expertise right in your subject line. Take you out to coffee and pick your brain? Lunch? Seeking your expertise. You have time to meet? Instead of demanding something of this person at word one, provide value to them. And providing value is not as complicated as offering your services for free or doing their laundry. Don't overthink it. It's a lot simpler than you might think. Tell them about a project they worked on that inspired you. Point out a piece of advice they shared at a panel. Identify anything that makes this message feel personal and unique as opposed to transactional. I all but guarantee that I would open a message with any of these subject lines. Dude, Cobra Kai rocks. Your advice made a huge difference for me, thank you. What a cool way to do X, Y, Z, great work. Most likely the person that you're reaching out to chose their profession because at some level, they enjoy creating content that has a positive impact on others. If the subject line of your message reaffirms their life choices, they're gonna open it, trust me. The only way to increase the probability even higher that this person will open your message is if you have a mutual friend or a colleague in common and you mention them in the subject line, but please just make sure that you have asked permission in advance to use this person's name. Once you've composed a compelling subject line that convinces this person to open your message, step two is to make your message short, concise, and skimmable. Once your prospect has opened the door and said hello, You're not gonna win them over by blurting out your full sales pitch. You'd most likely wanna quickly summarize who you are, what you're selling, and how it can benefit this person. Then come all the details after they've invited you in. Now, I've already belabored in part two of this series why you shouldn't send somebody your life story in your first cold message. But even if your message is short and concise, can the reader quickly summarize what your message is about before they dive into the details? If you send one giant block of text from top to bottom, it's simply not skimmable. And if they can't skim it quickly to understand the point of your message, the chances are you're gonna end up in the someday pile at best, and more likely the trash. Remember, the goal of your first message is just to get a response. But in order to get that response, you need to convince them to read your message and make it all the way to the end. In the digital age, we've all become scanners instead of readers. Before hitting the send button, make sure that your message has proper sentence and paragraph breaks and it's skimmable. And I've got two additional pro tips below to help you make your messages even more skimmable. Now that this person has quickly skimmed an easy to read message that appears to be legit, isn't too long, and doesn't seem to be asking too much, step three is to demonstrate immediately that you have done your homework. At this point, you've convinced your prospect to open the door, you've concisely summarized why you're here today, and this person has chosen to invite you in to learn more, i.e. they've chosen to read the rest of your message. Do you think you're more likely to make the sale if you rattle off the same rote sales pitch that you've said a hundred times already that day? Or do you think you're more likely to make the sale if you first demonstrate your understanding of this one person and their unique needs? One of the most common mistakes that I see in outreach messages is the tendency to introduce yourself immediately in the first paragraph and sell, sell, sell. I know how desperately you want this person's attention, but they are much more apt to continue reading your message if you double down on the value that you provided in the subject line. The key in your opening paragraph is to make it abundantly clear your message is not a template and that you have done your homework on this person. Don't just generically mention something like, I'm a big fan of your work. Instead, provide details that only you would be able to share by investing time and effort into learning more about this person. The wrong approach. Love your podcast. The right approach. I absolutely love your podcast. Specifically, your episode with Scott Davis, where he talks about how he learned to write better outreach emails. And man, his Joe Walker story was priceless. Anyone with Google can write the former option. Only someone who has invested their time into learning more about me and my work can write the latter option. Your objective by the end of the first paragraph is to get them to continue reading your message. Once you have them hooked, step four is to embrace the elephant in the room. No matter how complimentary or sincere you are in the subject line or in the opening paragraph, inevitably the recipient of your cold email wants to know two things. Who are you and what do you want from me? The second paragraph of your email must answer both of these questions. Now, here is one pro tip to make your message more skimmable so the reader immediately knows where to find these answers. Begin your second paragraph with, I'm reaching out because. And then from here, briefly introduce yourself and explain why you're reaching out. The key here is not to go on and on about your past, your accomplishments, your credits, your likes and dislikes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The key here is just to briefly tell your story, but not just any story, the story that will make this person more likely to understand why they should help you and how. If you've done your homework, this shouldn't be hard. You should know enough about this person's work and their own journey that you can tailor your story in such a way that breeds familiarity and empathy. Doing so makes it easier for this person to understand how they can specifically help you. Once you've explained where you are now, next explain where you want to be. That way, it's going to be crystal clear whether or not this person is in a position to help you. The wrong approach. I'm reaching out because I work in post and I'm struggling. You've been successful and you work on projects that I love. Can you help me? The right approach. I've been editing unscripted documentary series for the last 10 years, and I'm currently transitioning into more scripted content, but I find it difficult to convince directors and producers that I can edit narrative. I noticed from your IMDB page that you made this transition about five years ago, dot, dot. dot. I can't guarantee after reading this that you're gonna get all the answers you're looking for, but if you've done the work for them and you've connected the dots, the likelihood of at least getting a response will skyrocket. Now that they're clearly hooked and they have committed to reading your whole message all the way until the end, step five is to make your message easy to respond to. This is it. You're in the door. You're sitting in this person's living room. They're hanging on your every word and they have their checkbook out. Now it's time to close the sale. Do not blow it by overstaying your welcome or asking for too much too soon. This is where you make the ask. As I mentioned in part two of the series, your ask needs to be simple. Do not ask for this person's time yet. You haven't earned it. Don't make them check their calendar. Don't ask complicated questions that will take extensive thought. And don't ask too many questions. Crawling into the brain of your recipient one more time, read your ask as if it was just sent to you. If you were standing in line and quickly reading your message on your phone, could you respond before it was your turn to check out? If the response to your questions takes more than two minutes to compose using an iPhone, you're most likely never going to hear from this person again. And if you want a second pro tip for making your message more skimmable and thus more likely to read, put your ask in the final paragraph by itself so it stands out. Finishing your message with your ask has two benefits. First of all, when skimming a message, most people will skip to the end first to see if they can quickly answer the question, what do you want from me? Secondly, having your ask at the end of your message creates an open loop, and nobody likes an open loop, so your probability of receiving a response gets even higher. Now, finally, to summarize, if you want someone to respond to your cold email, you have to earn that response one sentence at a time by number one, having a compelling subject line that provides value and gets them to open your message. Number two, writing a skimmable, easy to read message gets their attention and opens the door for them to read on without it interrupting their busy day. Number three, doubling down on your value in the opening paragraph and demonstrating that you've done your homework gets them to read beyond the first two sentences. Number four, clearly explaining who you are what you want and why you reached out to this specific person helps them understand how they can help you. And number five, finishing with a clear, concise, and brief ask makes it brain dead easy for them to respond quickly and start the conversation. Step outside your networking comfort zone. I say this with zero hyperbole. Your career depends on your ability to write compelling and engaging cold emails. I get that as an introvert, putting yourself out there to people you admire and wanna work with is terrifying. But if you are tired of showing up to networking events and walking away empty-handed because you didn't meet anyone new, Or the people you did meet frankly can't help you, then cold outreach is the most important soft skill you must master if you are seeking advice about the next steps in your career, you're looking for mentorship, or you've identified a potential dream project that you would love to be a part of. Plus, you can do it from home in your pajamas. I hope you enjoyed the reading of my article, The Five Things That You Must Do When Writing Cold Emails If You Want a Response, which can be found at optimizeyourself.me slash email tips. This article is the third of three parts in my series about writing great outreach emails. If you would like to download all three parts, as well as a bonus checklist to help you craft your next cold email, you can download my brand new Insider's Guide to Writing Great Outreach Emails for free at optimizeyourself.me slash email guide. Thank you for listening. Be well. This episode was made possible for you by, you guessed it, driven, the creators of the topo mat, my number one recommended product if you are interested in moving more and not having sore feet at your height-adjustable or standing workstation. Almost every new person that I meet in this industry starts our conversation with, Hey, I got a topo mat because of you. It's changed my life. Thank you. Listen, standing desks are only great if you're actually standing well. Otherwise, you are just fighting fatigue and chronic pain. Not like any other anti-fatigue mat, the Topo is scientifically proven to help you move more throughout your day, which helps reduce discomfort and also increases your focus and your productivity. I'm literally standing on one as I read this and I don't go to a single job without it. And if you're smaller and concerned the Topo mat might be too big or you simply don't have the floor space, well, there's a Topo Mini for that. To learn more, visit optimizeyourself.me Topo. That's T-O-P-O.